This is ABLE, the show that tells the stories of parents who have children with disabilities. I'm Tim Tedeschi. You know, you never know exactly what you're getting into, <laughs> uh, but being a father has become much more of my identity and role in life than I really ever thought it, it would be. This is Bart Bruler. He and his wife, Anne, are professors at Indiana Wesleyan University, and they have three kids. Their oldest son, Soren, is 13, their son, Pascal, is 11, and their daughter, Eleanor, is 7. When Pascal was four months old, he began to have what are called salam seizures. It's hard to describe, and it manifests a little bit differently in different kids sometimes, but it's almost kind of like a, a clenching forward. His arms and sort of torso would sort of thrust forward like you were almost trying to do a sit-up or something. And, and they'd kind of come in little clusters, like he'd do that eight or ten times in a row, and he'd be kind of fussy, upset afterwards. And you see it happen once, and you think, okay, that's strange. But then as we saw it, you know, recur multiple times, you think, okay, something's going on here. I don't know what it is. After a few months of frustrating doctor visits and frantic Google searches, Bart found a description of the Salam seizure online and was able to finally explain what was happening to his son to a neurologist. The definitive test is to do an MRI. And so they had to sedate him, do everything like that to get it, get the MRI. And the MRI came back showing these sort of bumpy white patches in his brain. And he said, you know, there are a couple of other possibilities here, but this almost always indicates this particular genetic disorder that he has. It's called tuberous sclerosis. Tuberous sclerosis complex, or TSC, is a genetic disorder that causes non-cancerous tumors to form in vital organs like the brain, eyes, heart, and skin. The tumors can cause other health problems like seizures, epilepsy, and autism. So there's this mixture of like relief of, oh, there's a name to this and we know what it is and it's actually a thing. Then there's also the, the sort of shock of you know, our child has a genetic disorder and so those things kind of crash together uh, uh, at the same time. The few months after the diagnosis, Pascal's life was a sequence of seizures, medications, and new seizures treated with new medications. When he was one, Pascal began having what are called partial complex seizures. But he would just have little, small ones, mostly with his face and neck, and kind of had a little twitch like that. And so they weren't very serious in that they're just kind of affecting one little part of his body, but they began to cluster. Like he'd, he'd have 10 of these twitches in a row, and then 10 minutes later, he'd have another bout of it, and then 10 minutes later, he'd have another bout, and they were just happening multiple times during the day like that. So at that point, neurologists that we see at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, who are great, they, they said these little seizures are basically like watching a commercial every 10 minutes. They said it's just interrupting his brain so frequently that he can't learn anything because it's constantly getting interrupted in that way. Pascal's doctors at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital recommended that he be evaluated for brain surgery to help eliminate the seizures. Our neurologist said to us, he said, now this sounds sort of blunt, but he said, no brain is better than bad brain. So they said actually taking out the part of the brain that's causing the problems will free up the rest of his brain to be able to work normally. Pascal had brain surgery when he was two years old. Doctors removed parts of his left temporal lobe and parietal lobe, both located just above the ear. The concern is always that some sort of appropriate function will be damaged or removed in the process of taking that out. We didn't really see much of that, thank God. But the seizures disappeared, which we were thrilled about. Pascal was still behind developmentally, but the little seizures went away. He was healthier overall after the surgery, 
but then a new problem appeared in the form of sporadic massive seizures if Pascal was sick or run down from a lack of sleep. These are the kind of seizures where they go into what they call an epileptic state where the body and brain don't seem to be able to come out of the seizure normally. And so they last 20, 30 minutes, even longer, which at that point, you know, your breathing can be inhibited and really becomes life-threatening. So we had, uh, I, don't, I don't remember how many episodes like that, I mean, but they grew, in, they grew in frequency. Like one happened and then there was another one five or six months later, and then there was another one three months later, and almost every time that happened, he was in the hospital for multiple days because they just it required really dramatic medical intervention to get his body to stop seizing. Bart, Anne, and the doctors again returned to the trial and error of trying different medications to prevent the new, more serious seizures. When nothing was working, Anne asked the doctor if a change in diet would help at all. With the doctor's approval to give it a shot, Pascal was put on both the ketogenic diet and a modified Atkins diet at different points. It's essentially a diet that's very high in fat with some protein and very low carbohydrates. So it forces your body chemistry to work in a different way. So yeah, it was a pain in the butt <laughs> because his diet was really strange. You know, he'd eat a lot of cream and eggs and butter and fatty food and he couldn't have any cereal or crackers or pretzels or anything like that so it was weird but he took to it all right did okay and he had one more seizure while he was on that diet high fat diets do have some negative health effects in the long term so pascal returned to a normal diet when he was seven or eight years old the seizures didn't return and pascal began to make strides in several areas he was sleeping better by that point, so I was sleeping better, <laughs> too. We got him on some good therapy called Applied Behavior Analysis Therapy that was working well for him. And his little sister was about a year and a half. She was kind of in the toddler phase at that point. And that kind of cluster of stuff was just fantastic for him. You know, sleeping better, not having seizures meant health-wise he was doing a lot better. Therapy was really constructive for him. And then he just, he began to play at sort of a toddlerish stage, which is where he was at with his sister, who was also at a toddler stage. Pascal has continued to progress without any major health issues over the past few years. This has led to more development in all aspects of his life. He is a big kid. I think he's starting puberty early. And so in some ways, physically, I'd put him kind of ahead of his actual chronological age. Developmentally is always more awkward because I think it hits on sort of different phases. If I had to put his cognitive development somewhere, you know, how does he do with reading, writing, math? you know, some of those kinds of things. I'd say he's about four. He can write just a little bit. He recognizes sight words. He can do some very basic math. He does kind of pre-reading activities. He'll look at pictures in books and sort of talk through the pictures in a sort of story sequence. But about four years old, somewhere around in there. Ann and Bart put Pascal in a regular kindergarten classroom when he started elementary school in the Marion Community School System. But Pascal was a wanderer, and the school worried about safety concerns. As the school became more comfortable with Pascal, and Pascal, Bart, and Anne grew more comfortable with the school, they were able to work together to negotiate what environment would be best for him. He is now in the life skills classroom with other children with varying levels of disability. 
we were a little worried because his disabilities weren't as severe as some of the other kids in the class, but then that kind of gave him the ability to be a leader in the class, which he, again, really liked, you know. I enjoyed making friends and helping people and doing things with them. We were kind of worried that that would sort of pull him back, but instead it really allowed him to thrive. And we've been just overwhelmingly impressed by the special ed teachers here in Marion. He just always has had great teachers, and so that's been a good experience. And again, now he's been with some of the kids that he knows well, you know, for several years. And we were on vacation this summer, and he was asking when he can go home and go to school because he wants to see his friends, uh, you know. So he, he, he loves school now. He really enjoys it. He likes the activity and likes being with kids his age and being able to do things with him. So that's been a real positive thing for him. Bart says Pascal's emotional development is significantly older than his cognitive development. And again, I think that's really been helped by the fact that he is so social and he enjoys being with other kids. I think his brother and sister have helped him with that. So I'd say he's kind of older, sort of in the social, emotional category. He does display some autism tendencies. He doesn't keep eye contact completely appropriately. He doesn't engage in sort of turn-taking in conversation completely appropriately. But I'd say emotionally, behaviorally, he's more around six or seven, a little bit older than his cognitive level. Un- How old are you? 11. Uh, my name is Soren Bruller and I'm 13. My name is Eleanor and I'm seven. When I had the whole Bruler family join me in the studio, I asked the siblings what they like to do with each other. To play the Wii. And I throw it off and talk with Eleanor. I like to play outside with Eleanor and Pascal and play the Wii with Pascal. I like to play, I like to talk with Pascal with my animals. I think my brothers are great because, um, they always play with me, and their kindness is great to me. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm a better parent because of the challenges that we've experienced with Pascal, but I've been able to take what we've learned from that and apply it when I'm parenting Eleanor and Soren. And to be honest, um, each of the kids just has strengths that work together and of course we all have weaknesses <laughs> but I just I can't imagine I can't imagine our family without any of our kids it's been neat as parents to see how their relationships with each other continue to grow and change but that the type of bond that they have with each other seems to be so much stronger than any bond that I had with my brother growing up that's Ann Bruler. In just 25 minutes talking with the siblings, I could see the bond that Ann talked about. Listen to how Soren responds when Pascal starts talking off-topic about Mario 3D World, a favorite game of his. And Mario cat toe just smacked the, the cats. Whack, whack, whack. With his boo, like that. What, what noise do you make when you're a cat in Mario? Meow. Yeah. Bowser just 
But what what noise does Bowser make when he falls really silly? Hmm? He goes. <laughs> like that. Yeah, like that. Pascal's functional skills, like brushing his teeth and putting shoes on, fall somewhere in the middle between where he is cognitively and where he is emotionally. And that's kind of all over the map because of just a few deficits that he has. He can mostly dress himself, but he can't do buttons. He can get his pants on, but he just can't do the button because he just doesn't have the dexterity. He can brush his own hair, but he sort of has an old man comb over. <laughs> it starts on his ear and just whoop, uh, all the way over. So some of those functional things, I think he, he's still sort of closer to four or five on that. Although, again, if it doesn't involve some sort of minute dexterity, he can handle it pretty well. But if it's, you know, something like opening the lid of a water bottle, he has a harder time managing that just because of the kind of finger skill that it takes to do that. Bart says raising Pascal has turned his conventional thinking about the nature of productivity upside down. We tend to view production, again, especially in America, in very economic terms, right? Can you get a job? Can, is your job worthwhile? Do you do well at your job? Rather than thinking about functionality and purpose, much more in sort of a social community sense of, are you related to other people? And how does that relationship contribute to the way that we experience goodness and meaning and wholeness in our lives? And so Pascal's situation, and particularly Pascal's situation, I think, kind of makes that issue come to the surface all that much more clearly. He's not as severely disabled as some kids that we know, that he's wheelchair-bound and nonverbal, but he's also not functional in typical ways of his age. And, and so it forces us all to think, okay, we want him to do what he can do and thrive and have purpose in what he can do, but we also don't want to say, well, you're only measured by what you can do. One of my favorite singers is Rich Mullins, and he has a, a line in one of his lyrics that said, he won't despise his brothers and sisters for their weaknesses, but he also won't regard them for their strengths. And, and so there's this, this way in which we say, well, yeah, I can value your talents from God, but I'm not going to respond to you as a person entirely based on what your weaknesses and strengths are. There's something about you inherently valuable beyond that. Bart admits he still sometimes struggles with what he calls the presumption of productivity. And I have to then say, well, do I love Pascal because he's my son or because he can do something? And I have to say, well, no, I just love him because he's my son. At the same time, I have to say, well, what if, what would have happened if he had not had this genetic disorder? What would his life have been like? And then I kind of think, well, it, it might have been better and he might have been able to do this or that or the other. And then I have to think, but wait, it's not about what he can do. I mean, while I want to rejoice in what my other kids can do and what he can do, um, that's not the sum total of, of everything. And so I have to run into that, you know, myself at times. I think in my best moments, I know that I understand something better about who God is and God's experience of caring for being involved in the lives of the weak and the poor and the marginalized because Pascal is in my life. I think it has sensitized something in me to what God's love is like and, and where God's heart runs to 
on the first instance. Probably my worst points then, there's a couple of worst points. There's the worst point of thinking to myself uh, how much a burden Pascal can be. We have to go to extra doctor's visits, he needs extra visits to therapists, I need to make extra calls to insurance companies, we need to juggle expensive medications with weird side effects and uh, you know, on and on and on and sometimes I can think, ah, oh, if only we just didn't have to do any of that stuff. That That's not a good place to be at and sometimes for me that sort of will spill over into despair of saying well the 18th time I've called the insurance company to appeal this particular bill that I don't know how we're gonna pay if it doesn't get covered I think well why bother it's just not gonna go anywhere and so for me that that's a that's a real struggle at times and sometimes jokingly calls Bart the Pascal whisperer because of the connection the father and son have Bart said he never thought he'd be distant from his kids, but he also never imagined his role as a father would become such an essential part of his identity. He and I have just bonded in a way over time that he responds to me and he listens to me in a way that he doesn't really respond to anybody else. With Pascal, it has affected kind of the way I work as a father in our entire family. It really has changed how I, as I now look back and forward on my life, I see a lot more of my life sort of comprised of being a father than I, I thought I would be. One day when Pascal was about four, Bart drove him to the Cincinnati Children's Hospital for a day of tests. After a long day of being in control and making sure to hold Pascal's hand tight through the maze of hallways and offices, Bart had a funny thought on the drive home. He imagined holding Pascal's hand as they entered the pearly gates of heaven together, starting the familiar joke cliche. St. Peter turned and welcomed Pascal, then asked who had come along with him. Just as Bart had led Pascal through the hospital, Pascal was leading Bart through the pearly gates in his imagination. It completely inverted Bart's thinking about control and power. I just thought to myself, you know, there's something about weakness that God is present in, in a way that he's just not present when we have this sense of strength and control and power over things. It's almost like weakness and inability or disability or handicap opens up space for us to realize our own needs and our own weaknesses that then we create places where God enters into us. This thought about how God is present in the middle of weakness became the foundation of the book Bart wrote about his experiences with Pascal. Holding hands with Pascal, following Christ with a special needs child, tells the Brewler's story and details Bart's theological views on weakness, disability, and God's grace. Pascal sort of has the spotlight turned on him because of his genetic disorder that he that displays weakness in ways that are much more evident and prominent and visible but we all have them, and usually we try to hide them and cover them up. But instead, when we open those up to people, that creates the place where relationships can be built. It creates the place where we know love in a much more thorough kind of way, and it creates openness for God to be present in a way that sort of operating in control and power doesn't. And so. It's not just about removing the weaknesses and eliminating and eradicating them. It's about learning to live there as a place where God is more present than when we're not experiencing that kind of weakness. Pascal, what's your favorite game to play outside? Basketball. I want 
gonna need. Are you pretty good at basketball? I'm gonna make me think go to basketball. You're gonna go to the Special Olympics and play basketball? Yes, with the teams. With the teams. Good. The shoot. You can dribble really well, too. Mario! Pascal is an outgoing kid that loves being around people. He is also on the autism spectrum, which means he doesn't always communicate appropriately for his age. When he acts in a way that isn't considered normal for a situation, it can be frustrating for everyone involved, but sometimes he actually relieves stress others are feeling, like when the Brewers were watching Soren play in the last tennis match of a day-long tournament. He'll just be sitting there and his brother is playing tennis and he'll go, Is it done yet? <laughs> All the people around kind of go, what? <laughs> Who's that kid? What's he doing? You know, it just, it feels inappropriate to everybody. And so there's the initial reaction of, you know, get your kid under control, please. You know, tell them to be quiet. And then you start to see people put two and two together. And, and so then it becomes this moment for people in the community to say, amen, brother. You know, I mean, we're all thinking that and you just have the guts because of who you are, to sort of voice it out loud in a way that then diffuses all this tension. Like every parent who has a child with a disability, Bart knows that not every interaction with strangers is going to be positive. His hope is that individuals are open to interact with Pascal, rather than writing him off and making snap judgments. The negative experiences come when the thought doesn't even cross somebody's mind. You know, why is that 12-year-old kid having a tantrum? You know, and, and so their, their reaction is, well, it must be either because he's spoiled or his parents have a good or haven't done a good job with him or he's just a brat, you know, something like that. And, and it's when they do, we won't allow themselves or don't give themselves the opportunity to cross the line into saying, wow, he's really actually dealing with that pretty well for a kid his size with sort of the challenges that he does have. From living with and learning from his brother, Soren says Pascal has taught him to become more compassionate with others. Yeah, I think that having a brother with special needs has kind of opened my eyes to, wow, people don't really appreciate people like that and are usually rude but I think that Pascal especially has shown me that even though he might be different from everyone else he's still unique and really special in his own way. Bart said he often thinks about Pascal's future. It's uncertain how far Pascal will develop and Bart wonders what puberty will look like, about his teenage years, what adulthood will hold, and what eternity looks like for Pascal. What will Pascal's life be like when God makes everything new? I mean, what, what will that even look like? That's a hard one for me to wrap my brain around. I mean, he communicates very effectively, but he does it in kind of an odd, halting way with a little bit of odd vocabulary and his pronunciation isn't quite right and his voice inflection isn't quite right. And I think, will he just talk, quote unquote, normally in sort of the new heaven and the new earth? Or will he still be sort of consistent with who he is now, which is great. And I've really kind of fallen down on that level. Like, I, I don't expect Pascal to suddenly sort of be popping out perfectly grammatical sentences in heaven. <laughs> I, I think he'll still talk in the way that he does because it's not an evil that sort of limits him and restricts him and harms him. It's just become part of who he is. And we don't have to be afraid of that or or think of it as something that's ruining his life. 
sometimes it's scary, but I, I think I have more confidence in it now that God can handle all of those things, however they develop. As Bart thinks about the future, he values where he is right now with his family. Soren wrote a passage in the book called My Peculiar Brother, which I think perfectly tells the story of his family's love for Pascal. I have one brother, Pascal. He doesn't look peculiar, but inside his body, very peculiar things are happening. When somebody says handsome, I think of Pascal. He has dark brown hair. When I look at Pascal's eyes, they remind me of the deep blue sea. If you look a little closer, you will see a few peculiar things. A bald spot on Pascal's head, a rough red patch under his left eye. This shows that Pascal has a genetic disorder called tuberous sclerosis complex, or TSC. This TSC caused seizures in Pascal's brain for four years. Pascal plays enthusiastically, but sometimes he irritates me. Pascal has a positive personality. As a loud person, he does not hide from new people and he treats others nicely. With a creative mind, Pascal loves to draw amazing pictures. He's very intelligent, but sometimes can be frustrating. Pascal also helps me in times of need. No one could ever replace Pascal, my special and only brother. Able is produced by me, Tim Tedeschi, with editorial help from Mark Perry. We are produced at the 94.3 The Fortress Studios in Marion, Indiana. Special thanks to Jay Isham from the Tuberous Sclerosis Alliance for his help on this episode. You can learn more about tuberous sclerosis complex by visiting IAMTSC.org. And you can find out more about the Brewler story by reading Bart's book, Holding Hands with Pascal, Following Christ with a Special Needs Child. I highly recommend it. Thanks for listening to Able.